first of all, let me welcome you this evening to our Wednesday night Bible study, whether you are here with us in the sanctuary or you're tuning in to us through Facebook Live. I want to thank you for making the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. As many of you know, on Wednesday nights, um, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through a book of the Bible. And tonight we find ourselves in Romans chapter number 5. Lord willing, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 21 this evening, um, if, we, if we get that far. But um, I hope and pray that each and every one of you have uh, um, been blessed as much as I have in the book of Romans up to this point. I've heard it said that Romans is the foundation of our faith, and I certainly believe that to be true. Romans shows us who God is and who we are. It shows us how much God loves us and how much we need Him. It shows us how we can be made right with God through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me give you some quotes this week that I read concerning the book of Romans. You'll know most of these people that we speak of, but man, it shows you just how powerful the, Ro the book of Romans has been uh, for so many throughout the years. So uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said the book of Romans is the chief part, um, is the chief part of, uh, of the perfect gospel. Samuel Coleridge um, a famous English poet and literary critic, he said the book of Romans is the most profound work in existence. Man, that's a pretty big compliment. G. Campbell Morgan, the great preacher and commentator, said the book of Romans is the most pessimistic page of literature upon which our eyes have rested, and at the same time, the most optimistic poem to which our ears have ever listened to. I love that. I think that's exactly right. Uh, the book of Romans certainly is pessimistic in that it shows us our pitiful and sinful condition before a holy God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 3 that all of us have become guilty before God who is holy. Paul sums that up in Romans 3 verses 9 and 10 when he says, Whether you be Jew or Gentile, the whole world has become guilty uh, before holy God. And then it says in Romans chapter, 10, or chapter 3 and verse number 10 that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not one person who is righteous apart from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I, I love that God shows us where we are, but then he shows us where we can be. I love that God gives us the truth of, of who we are without Christ, but then he shows us who we are in Christ. And that's what the book of Romans is all about. Romans chapter 3, these first three chapters, shows us who we are without Jesus, and then he begins telling us who we can be in Jesus. And so, man, what a blessing that truly is uh, for those who have trusted in the Lord. I had a, a, a pastor a friend of mine, years ago, he was an older pastor, and I just had been called to preach, and the Lord had just given me a, uh, a church to preach in, and he had came and visited with us one Sunday night, and after the service, he came up to me, and he said, young man, I want you always to remember, it's good to give people the problem, but you must give them the answer, and I love that. That's exactly the truth. Hey, we need to know where we are. We need to know the problem, but we certainly need to have the answer. It's a pitiful message that does not give the answer to the problem that we all face. But, uh, that, and that's exactly what Paul does by inspiration of the Holy Spirit here. First of all, he gives us the problem. He gives us the bad news. We're all separated from God because of our sin. There is none righteous, 
No, not one. But then it begins giving us the optimism in the book of Romans. And what's optimistic about the book of Romans is what God can and will do for us because of the finished work of Jesus. And so in Romans chapter 3, the last part of the chapter, he begins telling us um, the principle of justification. That we are justified freely by God's grace. Romans 3.24. Romans chapter 4, then he shows us a person who has been justified. And he brings up none other than Father Abraham. And he says, Abraham was justified by faith in who God is and what God said. And the same way that Abraham was justified, we too are justified when we place our faith in the finished work of Jesus. And so um, I, I love that. He gives us the principle, then he gives us a person who has been justified. But before we go any further, let me uh, define our terms. I never want to speak Christianese. And I think that's what happens in church uh, a lot of the time. We, we say words like sanctification and justification and glorification and salvation even. And folks who have never been saved and folks who have never been in Sunday school, they don't know what a lot of these words are. And that's okay. Uh, that's, why we wanna, that's why we have Bible study. That's why we're looking at these things in the Word of God tonight. So what is justification? Let me, let's define it before we go any further. Justification is the act of God whereby He considers the believing sinner righteous based on the finished work of Jesus. Always remember that. Get a hold of that. Um, there's a few things that we've talked about we've got to get straight concerning justification. First of all, it's an act. It's not a process. In a few weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at um, the uh, process of practical sanctification in the life of a believer. And sanctification we know to be a process. It's us growing to become more and more and more like Jesus um, by the power of God and through the Word of God. But that's not justification. Justification is not a process that we aspire to or we aspire with. But it's an act that God does. It's the act that God, listen, that's what we got to understand. It's God declaring, considering the believing sinner righteous, not based upon who the sinner is and what the sinner has done, but based upon who his son Jesus is and what Christ has done for each and every one of us. And so that's justification. It's the act, that one single act when we choose to place our faith, when we believe. On Jesus, the moment we believe, the moment of conversion, God considers us justified. That's amazing to me. And that's the message Paul begins preaching at the end of Romans chapter 3, all through Romans chapter 4. And then in Romans chapter 5, he begins giving us a list of the benefits that comes to the believer. The, the, these benefits come by way of justification. They come by way of God. Making us right. We shortened the definition and we said that uh, to be justified means to be made right in the eyes of a holy God. Again, not because of, of what we've done, but because of who Christ is and what He has done on our behalf. And so, uh, praise God for justification. I'm so thankful that Jesus has done everything necessary for me to be made right 
in the eyes of God who is holy. What a blessing that truly is. And so the benefits that come to the believer is what we've been looking at in these first 11 verses in Romans chapter 5. And we said there were several benefits listed here. That's not all the benefits that come to those who believe on Jesus, but Paul gives us a pretty good list here. He begins in Romans 5 and 1 and he says, if you've been justified by faith, you have peace with God. Praise the Lord. If there's ever been a time that we need the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding, it's today. I'm talking about peace that uh, is for living and certainly peace for dying. And that's the peace that is offered by the Prince of Peace, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when we place our faith in Him, we're justified and we have peace with God. And I've told you before, folks, we'll never have the peace of God until we are at peace with God. And so we have the peace of God through justification. That's one of the benefits that come to uh, those who have believed on Christ. But then the Bible says in Romans 5 2, we have access to God. How many of you tonight are thankful for the access we have to God the Father? <laughs> Folks, I want you to think about this. The same God who spoke the worlds into existence, I'm talking about the same uh, star breathing, mountain moving, sea splitting, dead raising God that we read about on the pages of Scripture, is the same God those who have trusted in Christ call Abba Father, <laughs> Daddy God. And I want you to know we have access to Him whenever we choose to enter into His presence. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 4 that um, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can find help in our time of need. I want to encourage you to do something. Whether you're sitting in this sanctuary or whether you're watching us tonight on Facebook, you need to know there's never been a time like today in my lifetime that we all as believers need to take advantage of the access we have to our Heavenly Father. We can enter into the throne room. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. And the Bible promises that as God's people, He hears us. We have access to Him. We need to be praying about what's going on in our world and in our country. We have peace with God as a believer. We have access to God as a believer. But the Bible also says we have the glorious hope of the believer. Now, why do we have hope? Because we know what we've been promised. I love Dr. James Dobson. And years ago, he had a man on his radio program, uh, which was at that time focused on the family. And the brother that he had on there speaking said that he had went through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And he'd made account of all the promises that God had made to the people of faith. And he said he had counted up over 7,300 promises God had made to the people of faith. And folks, the Bible says that all of those promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. You see, tonight you need to understand that if you are in Christ, that if you've placed your faith in Jesus and you've been born again into God's family, the Bible says Christ is in you and you are in Christ. And now because of that, all of those promises are made to you. Now, we can take those promises, we can take God's word, and we can hope in them because we know God cannot lie. We have hope because we know what has been promised and we know who has done the promising. God is not like a man that he, he, he should lie. What he has said, he will do, Numbers 23, 19 says. So we have the glorious hope that comes to those who believe 
on Jesus. We have peace with God, access to God, the glorious hope of the believer. The, the Bible says that in, in Romans 5, 3 and 4, we have Christian character that's made possible by the person of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says that we have God's love put in our hearts. Like I've told us so many times here at the church, we're going to keep saying it. We're going to keep believing it. We're going to keep living it. We cannot show the love of God until we know the love of God. And you can't know the love of God until God the Holy Spirit puts that love in your heart. That comes when you place your faith in Christ. That's what the Bible's teaching us. That's what God himself is telling us through his man, the Apostle Paul. So it's God's love in us. And then Romans 5 and 9, it says that we have been saved from the wrath of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in the blood. Power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. So we've been saved from God's wrath because of the blood when we choose to place our faith in Jesus, our sins are washed clean. We're so thankful for that. But then in Romans 5 and 11, he gives us another benefit, another blessing that comes by way of justification. He tells us plainly that we have the atonement. And we looked at last week that atonement actually means reconciliation. And to be reconciled means we are brought close, even though we were once separated. Sin separated us. Jesus took care of our sin problem at the cross. And now the Bible says all who place their trust in Him can be reconciled to God Himself. What an amazing truth. So these are all the benefits of the believer. Let's move on tonight to Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. And all I want to do, I'm just going to read through uh, verse 12 through 21. I don't know how far we'll get in this. Maybe just get through verse 12. Man, there's a, it's power packed. There's a lot there, but uh, we'll see. As, as far as we go is, is how far we'll go. Lord willing, we'll, uh, we're just going to do what God says to do. So Romans 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Verse 15 tells us, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, by which, is, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but listen to this, but the free gift, everybody say free gift, but the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 18, therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so... By the righteousness of one free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man, since disobedience, many were made sinners. Listen to this now. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Just to put that in a nutshell, and we'll come back to it uh, hopefully in just a moment. What the first Adam got wrong, the second Adam got right. What Adam failed in in the garden, 
Jesus succeeded in at the cross and through his perfect holy life. What an amazing thing. Let's go on. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Lord, I want to thank you for loving us. You are so good to us. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that you hear our prayer, and I'm thankful that you are able to answer our prayer. God, I'm thankful that I have the peace of God. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that I have access to you whenever I, cho I choose to take advantage of that. And Lord, tonight we're trying the best way we know how to come before you humbly and ask you, God, to do what only you are capable of doing. Lord, I'm praying that you would remove the curse of this virus that is running rampant in our nation and in our world. And I'm praying, God, that you bring healing. Physically, yes, but more importantly, we're praying for spiritual healing. We're praying for a move of you that would change hearts and change lives all over this community, all over this state, all over this country, and all over this world. We're praying now in Jesus' name that you would do your work by your power, that you would hear from heaven the prayers that we pray. You would forgive our sin, and Lord, we're praying that you'd heal our land. Lord, do it physically, do it spiritually. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name because we know you're able. Lord, we're asking tonight that for those who are so uncertain and fearful, you would help us all to remember. We may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know what holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. So Lord, tonight, be with us as we go through your word. Teach us, lead us, guide us, and direct us, and show us, God, just exactly what you want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If Romans 5, 1 through 11 teaches us of the blessings to the believer, the blessings that come by way of justification, then Romans 5, 12 through 21 teaches us of the basis of our justification. And the first thing, if we're going to know the basis of our justification, if we're going to know what it means to be made right, and that's what we said uh, justification ultimately means made right by the finished work of Jesus when we choose to place our trust in him, um, then we need to know what makes us wrong. And that's the first thing that Paul deals with in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. He says plainly that, um, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There's, sin is mentioned in this one verse, uh, one, two, uh, three times, four times here, and, and each time you can almost hear the hiss of the slithering serpent, because uh, that's exactly what he's talking about in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about uh, four truths concerning sin found in this one verse. Now the first thing that I want you to see, uh, or I want to talk to you about, is the explanation of sin. What is sin? What does sin mean? Uh, the word used in the Greek language for sin here in Romans 5.12 is actually a word that means to miss the mark. It, it's the, it would be the, the picture of, a, of an archer that was shooting at a mark on a target, shooting at the bullseye. 
and when he shot, he missed the mark. I remember just last year, a good friend of mine asked me to come over to his house, and we were going to do some uh, uh, bow shooting as practice before deer season, and man, we got over there, and he had just got him a new bow and all new arrows, and uh, we're out there shooting in the yard, having a good time. I was shooting my bow, he was shooting his bow, and, uh, and in the middle of all of that, he was proud of his bow, and I really liked his bow, and so I wanted to shoot his. I'd never shot it before, but that bow wasn't made for me. And man, I picked up the arrow that probably cost $15, $20, I guess, maybe more than that, and, uh, and pulled it back with the bow string, and man, let that thing go, trying to hit the mark, and that arrow sailed right over the top of that target into the woods, and we never found it again. That was my first and last shot with my uh, a good friend's bow. But that's the picture of that's being painted here in Romans 5.12. What it's saying is there was a mark we were trying to hit, but we missed it. There's a goal that we try and achieve, but we can't reach it. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. And the Bible says a whole lot about missing the mark. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, and come short of God's glory. All of us have missed the mark, each and every one of us. I remember uh, a few uh, months ago, I was talking to a man at my workplace, and I was asking him to come to church, and he pretty much told me that he was just as good as all of those people down at the church. You know what? He was right, but he wasn't honest. See, I want to, the honest man says, I'm just as bad as all those people down at the church. Because the truth is, all in the world the church is, is a society of sinners that finally realized it. That's it. We're just sinners that have finally realized our need for God and trusted by faith in Jesus and received His grace freely. That's all in the world the church is. See, I want you to know the church is not perfect. It will never be perfect because, listen, it's just a bunch of sinners put together in the church. There are no perfect people in the pew. There are no perfect pastors in the pulpit. None of us are perfect. But those who are among the church, the body of Christ, are forgiven. That's the picture. That's the point that Paul is going to paint for us here in the remainder of Romans chapter 5. He's telling us that each and every one of us are sinners and all of us need salvation. All of us need the Lord. So the first thing that I want you to see about sin is that it's missing the mark. It's uh, trying to miss, hit the mark, missing it, or trying to reach the goal and not reaching it. Now, the Bible also says, 1 John chapter 3, I want you to turn there with me if you will, please. First John chapter 3 and verse number 4. John, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us another definition of sin here. He says, Whosoever committed sin transgresses the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Now what does that mean when it says sin is the transgression of the law? That means you know what's right. You know what the law says but you don't do what the law says. See, there's sins of commission. You know what's right, but you don't do what's right. Amen? But there's also sins of omission. I want you to look with me in Romans, or excuse me, uh, yeah, uh, James chapter 4 and verse number 17. The Bible gives us here another definition of what sin is. Hebrews, or James chapter 4 and the 17th verse says plainly that 
Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So the Bible says sin is transgression of law. It's knowing to do what's right and choosing not to do it. 1 John 3 and 4 is telling us that the, these are the things that we do that are not right. James chapter 4 and number 17 is the things that you don't do um, are, are the things that are not right. James four seventeen again, uh, if you know what to do is good and you don't do it, then the Bible says that is sin. But the Bible gives another definition for sin. Look with me in Romans chapter 14. I love this one. And this is someone, this is one that we forget many times. Romans 14, and uh, look down with me at, uh, look at verse number, let's just start with verse number 21. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything wherefore that might make your brother stumble or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself and the thing which he alloweth. And then he says in verse 23, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. So what he's saying here, anything that you're doing and you are not absolutely confident that it's what God's will is for you, that becomes sin in a man's life. So... It's, it's transgressing God's law. It's, it's not doing what uh, we know we should do. It, it's also um, not living by faith and being confident and, 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 and doing what is the will of God for us personally. But then the Bible also says in Proverbs chapter number 21. Everybody take your Bibles, turn there. I want you to see this. Proverbs 21, verse number 4. It says, A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So what does this mean? I've read this verse years ago and man, I really struggled with it. And I thought, Lord, how in the world can the plowing of the wicked be sin? How is plowing a garden going out and working to provide for yourself and for your family, how can uh, that ever be sin? And I, but I think what God is saying here, anything a sinner does, even though it might be good things, is tainted by the sin the man is in. That's what I say. And that's true for each and every one of us. So, Brother, I'm not a farmer. Well, we could put in here, uh, the man that works at the gas station is sin. Uh, if, if a lady cleans uh, the, the, her house, it's sin. If a man washes the car, it's sin. All of those are good things, not bad things, but all of the good things that we do in our sin is tainted before a holy God. A good verse that goes with Proverbs uh, 21.4 is Isaiah uh, 64 and verse number 6. I want to read that quickly before we go any further. Isaiah chapter 64, verse number 6, the Bible says, but we are all, everybody say all. Now when he's talking about all, that's exactly what it means. Everybody, me, you, and everybody else. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That means the good things we do. 
Listen, what the Bible is teaching here, these filthy rags, is the pus-stained rags that was wrapped around the arms of a leper. And so Isaiah, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is making it clear that even good things we do, apart from faith in God and who He is and what He's done for us, the good things we do, uh, when, you, when you put it up next to a holy God, is like those filthy pus-stained rags. They're tainted. When put up next to God's holy standard. And so by all of these definitions the Bible gives, I think we can all agree with Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us. Now I know what a lot of people say. Well, brothers, I may have sinned, but I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm not that bad of a girl. I'm, I'm not as bad as uh, the, the, the man down the road that does this or does that or the guy, the, the guy I work with that, uh, uh, that, that does this or does that. I, I, may be not, I may not be perfect, but I'm not as bad as them. The problem is, listen to me now, when we stand before holy God, we're not going to be judged according to our standard of right and wrong. We're not going to be judged according to what uh, the, the man down the road has done, the guy at work has done, or, or whoever has done. We're going to be judged according to God's holy, righteous standard. And the only way, the only way we're ever going to measure up to that is not by trying our best to do what we can do. Because again, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What we must do is trust in the finished work of Christ who came and was born perfect, lived perfect, then went to a cross and became the propitiation, the acceptable sacrifice before holy God for the sins of all mankind. When we trust in Him, God says we are justified. Is this making sense to you? And so that's the explanation of sin. Um, and the truth is, if we're all honest with ourselves, we can certainly see how we have become guilty before God who is holy. Now I want us to see not only the explanation of sin, but according to Romans 5, 12, there was an entrance of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, the second part of this verse says plainly, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world. Now, what's he talking about when he says one man? Who's, who's he speaking of? We know him to be speaking of none other than Adam. Um, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, prepared uh, a garden prepared by God, and he gave them one law. He said, the only thing that you can't partake of in this garden is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is here for you to enjoy. God gave man one commandment and Adam couldn't keep it. We know according to Genesis chapter 3 that Eve chose by temptation of Satan himself to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says she gave to her husband and then he ate also. And at that moment sin entered the world. It entered through Adam and then became a cancer that was passed down generation to generation to generation all the way down to you and me, every one of us. That's the entrance of sin. But then I also want you to see the extent of sin. The Bible says, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, 
and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. There's that three-letter word that's really big. Again, when he says all men, he's talking about everybody. Every man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever been born of the seed of man was born into Adam's sin. All of us. Now, I don't know about you, but again, for a long time, I had a problem with that. How can these innocent little, be, little babies come here sinners? I, I never understood it. And I had a hard time grasping that until I became a father. And when I became a father, I began seeing exactly what God's word was saying. Man, when I held my babies in my arms for the first time, I loved them with everything in me, and I still do. Still do, all three of them. And I thought when I held those innocent little babies in my arm, they couldn't do anything wrong. They were perfect in every way. But I began to figure out, listen, the, the, the longer their, their legs got, the shorter their angel wings got. As they grew and, and became what uh, they, they really are, I began to see I didn't have to teach them to be selfish. I didn't have to teach them to take things that didn't belong to them. I didn't have to teach them to disobey me and their mama. I didn't have to do any of that. Why? Because they came here with a sinful nature, the nature of Adam. That's the nature I came here with. That's the nature you came here with. That's the nature of all of us who were born because, or through the, through the seed of man. We were all born into Adam's sin. That's what the Bible is teaching us here. Look what the Bible says in verse number 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So what's he saying? It was by the offense of Adam that sin came and that sin brought death to everybody. Physical death, yes. But what's even more important for us to see is not just physical death, but spiritual death. If you remember back in the garden, the God told Adam and, 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 and Eve, he said, look, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. And when Adam chose to disobey God, at that moment, he didn't die physically. As a matter of fact, he didn't die physically for about another 900 years. But the moment he chose to disobey God, he died spiritually. Spiritually, he was separated from God who is holy because of his sin. You need to see the explanation of sin. You need to see the entrance of sin. You need to see the extent of sin. But you got to see the effect of sin. And the effect of sin was spiritual death that was passed down to all of us. Every one of us. Now, this is the good news. What Adam made wrong in the garden, Jesus made right at the cross. Adam sinned in the garden and death came upon all men. Jesus, as the perfect Lamb of God, went to the cross and paid for the sins of all mankind. What Adam made wrong, Jesus made right. So if Jesus made right what Adam made wrong, then what, what, what came by because of Adam's wrong was changed because of what Jesus made right. Now what came because of Adam's wrong? Spiritual death. 
according to the Scripture. So what came because of uh, what Jesus made right? Well, life in Christ. Eternal life. Abundant life. And the Bible tells it in many different places. One of my favorite is in John chapter 3. Everybody look there with me. John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, we go from being under the curse of Adam, spiritual deadness, to having believed on Jesus and obtaining eternal life. Amazing. Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. How did that happen? 1 Corinthians 5.21, listen to this. I love it. The Bible tells us plainly. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. For he, meaning God the Father, hath made him, meaning God the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me, let me give you one more verse that's so very powerful, talking about Jesus making right what Adam made wrong. And it comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. The scripture says, speaking of Christ, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Amazing. What Adam failed in, Jesus succeeded in. What Adam made wrong, Jesus made right. And Romans chapter 5 Verses 12 through 21 tells us the basis of our justification is the finished work of Jesus making right what Adam made wrong. Let me pray for you. Anybody got any special needs tonight you need to pray about? No one? Okay. Any others? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we do. Anyone else? 